0: Good morning, church. Shalom to all of you. And uh, time is passing so quickly. We are already in the season of Advent. And Advent reminds us of... We are like this wise men from the East, right? And wise women from the East. How many of them? No, the Bible never say. How you know it's three. How many gifts were there? Three gifts, right? Could be more wise men and maybe wise women. But they came seeking the Lord Jesus... And they wanted to present their gifts to the Lord Jesus. But, you know, actually what they didn't know was God has a greater gift for all of us. Amen. And today God has a gift for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God has a gift for you. And when Pastor Daniel was asking us to pray for that one thing, I'm not sure what you prayed for. Some of you pray for your children to get into the right school. Some of you praying for grandchildren. Now, I don't know what you're praying for. But I thought about it and I'm praying for you, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 9, that you will know the surpassing knowledge of the love of God and the fullness of God in your life. Amen. Amen. I pray that this is uh, your experience today as you come to church or even you're joining church online, that you will experience the tangible presence of God giving you breakthrough in your life, your spiritual life, you get closer to God, you experience the love of God, you know the power of God in your life. Can you say amen? Amen. So many things happening in church uh, This last few weeks We already heard some of them Last Thursday The youth were having a prayer meeting Praying for revival in church All kinds of things happening And some of the things that's happening in church You don't notice, right? I don't know how many of you have noticed uh, That your chair feels different Do you notice that? Look, can you see something about your chair? Now, not all of me We are changing this in bits, right? But you notice your chair has no bed bugs Right? <laughs> It's so all clean and some of it new. You know, we are we are changing things because God is doing something in our midst, alright? And all these little things are happening. I don't want you to miss what God is doing. You know, last Saturday, uh, after service, you know, they, people had gone home but there was some celebration going on in church. And late at night on Saturday, there was a drunk man who came to church. And as he, as he wandered in the church, you know, he, he sat down on a bench next to one of our staff, and in his inebriated, you know, kind of like mood, he, he said to the staff, do you know? Jesus loves me. And he said, do you know? David loves me. David is the pastor from our Chinese side, Chang. David, pastor David loves me. And I was thinking, this is so good. Even drunk people know that in church our savior, God loves them and we love them. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. I want to talk about evangelism because God loves everybody, not just people who who are well behaved, who got their life together, who have everything sorted out. God loves even people who don't have their life together, who are not in church, who are outside of the church. And this is what we're going to be talking about today. You know, some time ago, I I, someone asked me this question, right? Uh, And you're just driving down a narrow road. And... um, now by the way, if you know the answer, don't say, it, okay. But you're driving down a narrow road, suddenly, on one side of the road, a little you know, toddler about five, six years old, rides out onto the road on a tricycle tricycle. Tricycle, right? Tricycle? And you're trying to avoid but on the other side of the road, eighty five year old man, you know, walking sticks, steps out on the road off the curb, and then you have to make a decision. What do you hit first? Quickly. Yeah, somebody actually know how to drive, right? Some people are thinking, uh, the young one, uh, uh, to be honest, I was thinking the old man. uh, uh, Nothing against old people, but see, they already lived their life already, right? But actually, the answer is, hit the brakes and everyone else who said something else should not be driving. Okay, so... (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes the easy answers are the ones that we don't think about, and this is true of evangelism. Sometimes we overthink evangelism. We make evangelism into something so difficult, so onerous, and so scary that none of us want to engage in it. Today, we are looking in Luke chapter fourteen, where Jesus talks about how he was. Uh, there was a master who threw a great banquet and invited many people. Right, a great banquet, food, free food, right, for many people. It doesn't tell us what the banquet was for, but if you look in another gospel in Matthew chapter 22, we are told that in that case, it was a wedding banquet. Right, So it, it gives you the reason. Someone was getting married, and presumably the parents were so happy he wanted to rejoice and celebrate, he, he decided to throw a big banquet. Now, Luke doesn't tell us it's a wedding banquet, but you know, for the sake of our, our sermon today, let's just assume it is a wedding banquet. It is a wedding banquet, a great cause for rejoicing and celebration, and the sort of time when you would reach out to all the people who are important to you. Yeah, you know, your your family, your relatives, um, maybe your good friends, right? People who are important to your life, maybe even your colleagues, people from your workplace, you can just invite people who are within your reach. These are the people that you invite. To your uh, wedding banquet, to your banquet. But for some reason, in this particular case, all these people, they actually refused to come. So let's read Luke chapter 14 verse 16. Then he said to them, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord, began to make excuses. First one said to him, I bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. You know, the ground is going to run away, right? So I'm going to make sure it doesn't run away. I will see my ground. I ask you to have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I say, if you buy a car, I can understand you want to test drive a car, right? But you buy five yoke of oxen, I'm very curious how you're going to test them. You know, just make sure that the cow, you know, does cow things, right? And Engine start, okay? Can you move? Testing that, like, okay, this is a, you know, I know, I'm not quite sure what she's doing, but whatever the reason was, he says, I ask that you have me excused. Still another said, I married a wife, I also need to test the wife, <laughs> but maybe, uh, maybe can cook or not, right? Therefore, I cannot come. So all these people, they had some, some kind of reason, some seemingly legitimate reasons not to come. Now, I haven't we all been there before. You know, today, I'm not sure how many of you have been invited to a wedding dinner that you turned down. You, okay, I know some of you shy don't want to raise up your hands. I turned down a lot of them. To be very honest, these days, uh, it's quite expensive, uh. You know, last time when we were getting, uh, when you we were getting married, you know, people come, they, maybe $50, $80, and you kind of like, auspicious, you get $88, right? today are uh, you 88 dollars uh, they kick you out uh, okay go go back and you buy your own food right it's quite expensive these days I don't know what's the going price for our wedding dinners now around 100 or oh, 200 right 200 maybe some even 300 with some fancy high end so today if you're going to a wedding dinner I can totally understand why you might make up some reason you know people like me uh, I get invited to a lot of wedding dinners uh, to be very honest right and usually I have to tell you, ah, huh, no offense, but I turn them all down because I go broke uh, just attending all these dinners, right? I usually go for the free one in church, right? The church one, usually that's free, I, I'm always there, right? I could understand that you might have reasons not to attend a wedding dinner, but this one, free, alright? You don't have to bring any money, you're free. And you know, Singaporeans, if they were Singaporeans and you got free food, that would be a cue. I read recently about people who are not invited, they also sneak into it for the free food, right? So, you know, this is a good thing. Now, of course, there are other reasons that you, you will uh, attend a wedding dinner because you want to show honor to the one who invited you, right? You want to appreciate the one who invited you. You know, when I was growing up, I, I love my grandmother very much. I'm a maternal side grandmother. She dotes on me. I mean, I'm like her favorite soon, you know. And every time I go, she would give me money, right? She would give me $2, $5. Now, listen, those days, uh, $2 is a big deal, right? Because 20 cents, you can buy one pair of wonton min. $2 means I can run away from house for five days and still survive, you know? Two wonton min a day, I can still make it. So, you know, she would always give me money. And, but see I knew that she, she was not educated. She can't read. She can't write. She doesn't work. So she doesn't have income. So I know this was a lot of money for her. So I was like feeling very bad. And every time she gave me, you know, as much as I wanted it, I said, no, 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 I don't want, I don't want. You know, every time she gave me money, I said, I don't want, I don't want. Until I grew up. Then I realized, you know what? Actually, by saying I don't want, I'm not honoring her gift. I'm denying her the ability to be, do something good for me. Right? I'm telling her that you can't do anything for me. I don't want anything that you have. Then I realized, oh, this is terrible. You know, she's old. I should give her the opportunity to give. I should receive the gift. Because in so doing, I'm actually honoring her. You follow what I'm saying? So today, uh, I realized that uh, whenever people give me things, I just accept. Even though sometimes I don't, I don't use it, right? So if people give you things, what must you do? Ah, uh, you don't want, then give me, all right? So, you know, <laughs> this is something that we, we learn as we grow up. That receiving a gift is important. So these guys here, one after another, they, they, they were giving reasons and excuses why they didn't want to come. So the question is this. What's so big deal? What's the big deal about this banquet? Right? Why is it so important to come to this banquet? Behind the story, of course, what's the, what's the deal about banquets? Now throughout the Bible, throughout the Gospels and the New Testament in particular, the picture of marriage is often used as a metaphor for our relationship with God. Very often, right, you find different ways. Jesus says, you know, uh, I'm, going to build, I'm going to build a mansion. I'm going to come and bring you back to a mansion. That is a picture of marriage, right? And many places in the Bible. Uh, the marriage banquet, the wedding banquet, the wedding supper, the marriage supper itself in particular has to do with the invitation to be part of the kingdom of God. Right. So in Revelation chapter 19, for example, you have this uh, little text here in this prophetic sort of like end time picture. It says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come. Lamb being Jesus, right? And his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And he said to me, right, Blessed are those, How many of you want to be blessed? Yeah, you want to be blessed, right? So blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper or the marriage banquet of the Lamb. They say to me, these are the true sayings of God. So this wedding supper, you want to be present. You want to make sure you got an invitation, right? And you make, want to make sure that you are present at this supper. So coming back to this parable, this man had invited all these different guests representing God's invitation to his own people, to the people close to him to come to this celebration, the kingdom celebration. But you know what happened? They rejected the Son of God. They rejected the Messiah. They rejected the free gift of salvation. And so the servants (coughs) came back and reported this rejection to the Master. Now, not surprisingly, the Master was angry and upset at those who spurned the place that he prepared for the guests. He went through all this effort to make something wonderful, good, to give to you to to demonstrate his love to you but he was rejected <coughs> so he decided he's going to give it to someone else you don't want it, fine he's going to give it to someone else Luke chapter 14 verse 21 so the servant came that servant came and reported these things to the master the master of the house being angry everyone say angry I know some of us are hangry because lunch coming right Said to the servant, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city. And bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, but there is still room. And the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges, and, and compel them to come in That my house may be filled <coughs> Sorry about that <coughs> So the master asked the servants to invite you know, All these poor people from where? They were from the streets and the lanes And where are the streets and the lanes? The Bible says the streets and the lanes are in the city Everyone say city If you have been to Jerusalem You find that in Jerusalem city, there are many, many streets and many, many lanes. I mean, the place is like a maze. You go in there by yourself, there's a high chance you get lost, right? So you go in all these twisting, turnings, but there are also these streets, wider roads. And in fact, the, the word for streets here is actually representing a, like what you call a square, a town square, right? So go in the squares of the city, in the city, these are the places that are near to you. There are places where you live the people that you kind of know says go into the lanes and get who the lame, the blind, the maim, all these people who are not you know normally being invited to weddings because you know there are different rungs of society. But nevertheless they're close enough. So get these people to come. Now you know what happened? These servants they were on the ball. They have what you call initiative, right? They knew the masters are. They knew this master He is a very generous person They know that Well you know If these people can't come He's likely going to invite these people You know what they did They went ahead of the master They went on and invited All these other people That the master mentioned And telling master Master you know what We already did that We knew We knew that You love all these people Guess what We did that We had already gone Into the streets The lanes We invited all these people And then the servant said Master it is done As you commanded But there is still room There's still room after you call in all the disenfranchised of your community, of your society, the needy people in your community, there is still room. So what does the master say? The master says, go out into the highways and the hedges. Now, here's the question. What is a highway and a hedge, right? Now, the, whereas the streets and the lanes are within the city, highways are the, the paths that connected different cities. So by definition, the highway is outside of the city. You remember the story that was told about a man who was going down to Jericho, right? From uh, Jerusalem going down. And on that highway, this good Samaritan ran into a, a man who was been, uh, has been uh, attacked by bandits and he was left for then. That was a highway outside of the city. Not a very nice place, potentially dangerous place, but a place where, you know, it's unpredictable, it's un- not well known. So those were the highways. And then the hedges. This word hedges is a very interesting word, now, right? And when I thought of hedges originally, I thought of, you know, botanic garden, where they, you know, they've got this bush, low bush that you can jump over, they cut nicely in the square. Actually, that's not what a hedge is, right? The hedge here represents the outer boundary of your plot of land. So let's say you have a plot of land, or let's say a house, then the hedges will be the fence around your house. They represent the outer limit, the outer boundary markers of your property, your community, your land. So for Singapore, I guess the Straits of Johor will be our hedge, right? Because we go beyond that hedge, you are in some other country now. Now you are in JB, you are in Malaysia already. And if you maybe, you know, if you have a, a school, the school fence will be your hedge. Because once you go beyond that, you are no more in school. So when Jesus says, when the masters sends them to the hedge, He's sending to a place where you're going to find people who are different from you. Different country, different language perhaps, different culture, different economic uh, standing in your life, different from you. <coughs> Recently I was in um, Indonesia a couple of weeks ago. Uh, actually, let me see, was that last week? <coughs> no, week before last. I was in Indonesia because what happened was I was... Uh, helping the diocese to actually ordain some new pastors right in Indonesia and uh to launch a Bible school there. Because it was in Indonesia I couldn't speak in English. Ah, so I have to do everything in Bahasa Indonesia. Thankfully I can ah. but while I can speak their food uh ah, speak their food I can speak their language. I can't eat their food because ah, everything is so spicy, you know. And I don't particularly like spicy food thinking wow these guys are different from me right so that's beyond the hedge people who are different from us people who sometimes come from a different culture you know the servants went throughout the country they went out beyond the country and they were surprised that the master's generosity extended to even those people on the hedge did you know that god loved even the drunkards of our community people who are not like us People who don't look like us who may not come to church. John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the the world, it's on the heart of God. He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God doesn't just love some people, or certain group of people, or certain, you know, demographic of people. God loves all people, the people inside the church, and quite frankly, there are more people outside of the church. It doesn't matter whether you're an insider or an outsider, God loves all of us and wants all of us to know Him, to be present at the wedding banquet of the Lord. So what about these hedges, right? What are our hedges? Well, you know, I was preaching in a different church uh, some weeks back and I was talking about evangelism right why singapore uh is facing a crisis we really need to reach people and after the sermon the pastor forwarded me a question from one of the members who heard the sermon and the question was uh, pastor daniel why is in your opinion why do you think that christianity in singapore has stopped growing right it's stagnated now For those of you who don't know, Singapore Christianity stands around 18 or 19% of the population. That's including Roman Catholics. So excluding Roman Catholics is only around 11%, 10 or 11%. And it was growing very much in the 70s and 80s, but somewhere in the 90s, it just kind of flattened out. It's not growing anymore. If anything, it's actually declining. So this person was asking me, Pastor, why do you think this uh, has happened? I thought about it for a little while, and you know what I think? I think the reason, one of the reasons anyway, is... Something to do with the way Christianity came to us. You see, Christianity came to us through the uh, Western missionaries, right? Through the uh, as part of the whole colonial movement, there were missionaries who came from uh, from England and they brought the gospel to us. And when they came here, the way they brought the gospel to us was they they started hospitals, they started schools in particular. So there are many missionary schools uh throughout our land, right? All the Saint something one. Uh, St Andrews, uh, then you have uh, Saint Joseph's, uh, Saint Nicholas, uh all the Saint Something one, right? There are also a few uh Christian schools that are not Saint Something, those are the rascals, right? But basically these are this was the strategy. The strategy was to use education. And so because of that, you notice that very soon Christians were mainly English speaking. Because the Angmos were English-speaking. So they were mainly reaching the English-speaking people. Not only that, because of education, Christianity became more and more, I guess, elite, you know. They were reaching the smarter people, the more educated people, the more qualified people, the upper bracket of society. Over time, just naturally became, it wasn't the intention, but naturally it became. So if you're in church today, it means you're probably English-speaking, right? You're probably quite well-educated. You're quite... You're quite smart and maybe quite handsome also, right? So this is kind of how Christianity came to us as, as a nation. But you see, the society is not just these people. There are lots of other people who don't fit into this category of society. So why is it that we stop growing? Because you see, this model of Christianity, this strategy of evangelism only works for this about top 30% of Singapore. And today, There are 800 churches of Singapore who are mainly all trying to fish in this same pool, right? That one pool, there are many pools, but everyone's fishing in the same pool of Christians. All the fishing lines are 800 churches in there. In the pool, there are more hooks than worms, you know. The fish are swimming around, there are hooks everywhere. But outside there, all the other pool, nobody's fishing. That's the hedges. That's the highways. So over here, you keep trying to win the same, already saturated those who are here, most of them are already Christians So the growth of Christianity in churches today uh, The growth of Christ- growth of churches in Singapore today Is very much like, you know Moving money from one pocket to another pocket You know, you got $10, right? $5 here, $5 here, $10 And then you decided, you know what? I'm going to move money I'm going to put $3 here I'm going to move $2 here Now I got $7 in this pocket, right? Wow, you'll grow already, uh. Maybe you move somewhere I move two more dollars here To this Nine dollars here One dollar here But you know what In the end you still have ten dollars Actually while moving around You drop one dollar Now actually you only got nine dollars This is actually what's happening in Singapore Because you know why We are only in the streets and the lanes Same old place In and out In and out But what about outside There's a 70% of people outside In the highways and hedges There's more out there Than in this pool You follow what I'm saying And that's why The master says Go out into the highway and into the hedges. Who are these people outside in the hedges? They are people who don't normally come to church for a number of reasons. Maybe they don't speak our kind English. To them, it's not the Queen's English, right? right. It's English one. So that's why I, lately I find my English getting worse and worse huh? because I'm trying to reach different group of people, right? So I'm starting to speak all kinds of broken English, right? Because to them it's better English, right? So this is something, you know, my English not so powerful now. So, you know, this is something that you have to speak to reach a different culture. These are people who won't come to church on Sunday and Saturday. You know why? They are working, right? Because after church, you're going to order food, right? Who is delivering your food? Are the people who are working. They are not in church because they are working. After, you know, many of us, we can do a lot of things, right? order your your Zalora and whatever things, right? They are being delivered even while you are in church, right? Those people who are delivering, uh, the delivery people, they are not going to come to church because they are working. People in the service industry, people who are pumping your oil, petrol, uh, after church, you go and fill up your petrol tank. All these people, they are not the normal people who come. This different pool. Whatever strategy you are using here doesn't work for them. In church, our strategies are very catered towards, uh, very, more intellectual people, right? I mean, our sermons are sometimes a bit more cerebral. We explain meaning of Hebrew word, la, Greek word, la, you know, philosophy, la, theology, quote some Germans from don't know what time, la, you know, quote some people from this and that. Those people out there, they don't quote anything, one. They just want to see whether your God is real or not, right? They want to argue with you about philosophy. I've never met, lah, some people out there in a the neighborhood who came and said, you know, can you explain to me how your, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit can be three and one at the same time. They have no problem because every day they drink three and one coffee. It's totally easy to understand, right? Only the intellectual people have got a lot of free time to ask all these kind of questions. So, you know, evangelism out there and here is very different. Inside here, evangelism is you got to present some points. It's basically a presentation, right? PowerPoint, one, two, three, four. Slide number one, you are a sinner, right? How are you a sinner? All these reasons why you are a sinner, right? Slide number two, God don't like sinners, right? So you're in trouble. Slide number three, you love God, God will forgive you, then you're good. It's like now we okay, evangelism means I gotta have PowerPoint, I gotta present this to people. Out there, see like, how are you talking about? These things, right? They know that they are sinner. Every day they sin one, right? They know that they also know that God is very holy. They only want to know whether your God is real or not. It's a very different way. So, who are these people? They are out there, they are different from us. You know, a few weeks ago, well, almost a month ago now, uh, I was sitting down with Pastor Chris and we were talking about this. He said, you know what? Almost all the cleaners in our church have become Christian. That's such a good thing. You know what I mean? For people to work in church and don't hate the church, huh? and don't hate the Christians in church. It's a good testament for you, ah, huh? because if they don't become Christians, it means you know they they really know what you are like. Because you know some of you cannot aim one toilet, huh? you just cannot aim one. Right? They are the ones who have to clean it, up, right? We so was wow, oh, cannot clean. What kind of Christians are these? You know, I mean, our aim. Someone said, huh? uh, our aim is to please. Uh, your aim will help also, right? So you know, some of us really. But you know, the fact that they became Christians, it's a good testament for all of us, right? And we're thinking, wow. But they can't come to church. You know why? While we are here, they are cleaning up for you. They are working. What an irony. People who are in church but cannot come to church. Right? Then we thought, you know, we've got to do something. We can't use the same old method. So you know what? We thought, why don't we just start a Thursday service for the cleaners? Let's just start a Thursday service for them. And you know, party, one, one of our cleaners got baptized recently. He was so excited about this. He thought, you know, why don't we just Invite all the cleaners and the security guard. And he started inviting the security guard. And then he started inviting the cleaners. from everywhere, you know. And i got a picture here of a service that, you know, Thursday afternoon, 2 o'clock, we have a small service. You notice that one guy wearing red color. That's Joshua, right? From the Shell station across the road. They are coming. These are people at the hedges, you know. And you know what? For the first time, they got a service for them. Amen? Praise the Lord. Right? And really, I pray... Now, all of you, in your life, there are people on the edge of your life. There are people on the edges of your your peripheral, of your, your community, your life. These people need Jesus because Jesus loves them also. Amen? And now we have to think, how can we go to the edges of our life and bring these people? And actually not necessarily bring them to church even. Because for them... The gospel is not this point. You are the gospel. They want to see whether you are in you are genuine, you're authentic in your love, and your care for them. You know, many of our hawkers in our neighborhood, they start to like the church. There was one particular hawker that's uh you know in, in block 38. And you know, one day we are having lunch, Pastor Chris and myself and a couple of pastors, we were ordering lunch from this stall, and we noticed there are one of the display lights were not working. And <coughs> So, we asked them, why, why don't you remove this? Are oh, very troublesome to remove. Don't know how to remove. And I looked at it and I told Chris, hey, this is quite easy. It's just a couple of screws. You can do it, right? So, after lunch, <coughs> we, we had someone go down there and removed it for them. You know, these people, turns out they left church for many years already. You know which church they left? Church of Saviour. 30 years ago. And now, I don't know if they are here in this service today, but if you are, you know, welcome home, right? Because... The presentation of gospel is not always by words. It's by your action, your genuineness. Now, some of you will say, Pastor, I'm an introvert. eh?" Okay, this is what I want to talk about, right? The hedges are not just places. Sometimes the hedge is in your mind, right? In your own mind, psychologically, you can't go there. You say, I'm an introvert. I, I can't talk to people. So you dare not go there. Others of you will cancel out people, you know. You look at this person or oh, too many tattoos, I I, I don't think he will come to church. Before you invite uh, you yourself already cancel out uh, by the way there are many tattoo people here in church, uh. many of you are tattooed, uh, eyebrows especially, right? So <coughs> you are, Pastor, uh, does the Bible allow tattooing? You think that uh, you ask your mother, uh, you know. So So these people are coming to church and we cannot cancel them all. just because you dare not go to talk to them. You know, I had a friend, my African pastor friend, who really taught me about this. Because, you know, to be very honest, I'm, I'm also quite introverted myself, you know. I'm quite shy. I have to force myself to be more friendly to people. So I was in Africa, driving around with him, and we're going to Johannesburg. Along the way, we stopped at a, you know, just a random small stop to get some brunch, right? Uh, because, you know, we were driving a long distance. So as we sat down, I was trying to order some food. He also sat down next to me, ordering some food. We've never been there before, as far as I know. And while I'm looking through the food, he started talking to the waitress who was standing next to us, right? So he looks over at the waitress. She's got a name tag there, Elizabeth. Says, Elizabeth, yes? Do you go to church? Well, he was like this, open-mouthed, honey, do you go to church? I was like, wow, that's a bit too much and too direct, isn't it? And I was trying to not look up because I don't want to be too confrontational. then that, that Elizabeth was you know, shifting and, oh, no, 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 I, I, I don't go to church. Then he is, I thought he was just, okay, I have this, you know, latte or something, right? He says, why don't you go to church? It's like, that's a little bit intrusive, isn't it, right? Because, you know, introvert thing like this one, don't ask too many questions, don't offend people, don't disturb people. Why don't you go to church? Oh, because I don't have church to go to. No, you must find a church. This Sunday, you must be going to church, because God loves you. I say, wow, like that was okay, no? Then of course, you know, Elizabeth, what can she do? She can take our order, huh? I cannot go anywhere. So, okay, okay. no I don't know whether she go to church or not. But it got me thinking, I think, you know what? I just don't have to explain about whether you're a sinner or this and all that. I need to tell them that God loves them. Right? I need to invite them to join our family. We can come to talk to her about those things later. Then I started thinking, because this guy, huh, this pastor friend of mine, he's like this to everybody on. Huh? After a while I quite scared, I walked a few steps behind him because he is like this to everybody. Somebody beat him now, I don't want to be part of that, right? But he will just tell everybody. But while driving to Johannesburg, I started thinking to myself, you know what? I still want some of this anointing, uh, right? Because you know you if I only I can talk to everyone like this. You know what happened now? When we got to Johannesburg, I thought, you know what, I'm gonna get this anointing. We got out of the car, this an African man walking to a car want to clean the car, right? So I thought Okay, this is it. So I asked this guy, uh, what's your name? You know, his name is Tom. What's your name? Tom. Where are you from, Tom? Ghana. I said, this is it. This is it. Tom, from Ghana. Do you go to church? <laughs> he, he's stunned, you know. I was quite stunned on myself. I said, no? Why aren't you going to church? Ah, I'm saying this. He said, I can do this. I can do it. You know what? I realized that actually, we all can do it. We can all do it. We just have to care enough to try. Amen. So I pray today all of you have this anointing. Huh? I feel sorry for all the lunch places that you go to. Not sorry for them because maybe some of you can be kind to them, be nice to them, and just show them that hey, Jesus is great. Amen. He's really good to us. So in closing, I want to look at this uh, short story from Mark chapter five. <clears throat> you know, Mark chapter five verse twenty-five. There's this very familiar story of a woman with an issue of blood for twelve years. She was miserable. 12 years she has been sick. And not only that, the Bible tells us she has suffered many things from many physicians. Everyone say physicians. Now you know why I don't like to see doctor, right? Because uh, sometimes uh, I tell them if the sickness don't kill you, the, the doctor's bill will kill you, right? Just so... Uh, by the way, my doctor, my, my, uh, my sister is the doctor, right? So, the Bible says that she could not find a solution. She was in a desperate and dire straits. She spent all that she has not only was she not better, but she actually grew worse, right? I know there are many people in the world who are like this, maybe even some of us today, going through the really hard times in your life, not finding solution, but there are many, many people out there who have basically given up on life. They just resigned that their life is going to be this, you know, world of suffering and difficulty and nobody cares about them, nobody loves them, nobody even notices or even bothers with them. They are just an insignificant person today, right now, today. Lots of people in Singapore are like this. But in this particular story, something happened. You all know what happened, right? The Bible says here that when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Of the rest of the story, you know what happened. Once he touched Jesus and Jesus touched her, her life was completely transformed. I mean, she was healed. She found a solution. She found a solution to a problem. She found what God could do, men could not do. <coughs> but the turning point of this story really is not when she touched Jesus' garment. You read verse 27. The turning point comes in just two words. And the two words is, she heard. What did she hear? I mean, this woman, issue of blood, she's outside of society. She's at the peripheral of society. She can't mix with people. She doesn't have friends. Nobody wants to be friends with an unclean woman all the time, right? She can't eat with people, can't go to parties. But somewhere out in the hedges of her life, the hedges of society, this woman, she heard someone, someone came, someone said, Do you know not? Jesus, the other day, oh, my father was blind, No, but when you see Jesus, and amazing, he can see now. She heard this, maybe. Or maybe she heard, You know, Jesus is in town, just one kilometer from here only. And he's healing all kinds of people. I heard even the dead were rising. Wow. Something about what she heard drew her to Jesus. But I just wonder, what happened if she didn't hear anything? What happened if there was nobody who went to the hedge to tell her that Jesus was in town and Jesus was looking for her? You know what? That would be the greatest tragedy of all. That someone who has a need that God was prepared to meet but there was nobody to be sent to the highways, nobody to send to the hedges so that she could hear this thing. Friends, today that's you. You know, all of us. Don't need to complicated presentation of them. In fact, that's actually not only not effective, it's counterproductive. But for us to go and demonstrate God's love to people in a very genuine way, but also very intentionally telling them, hey, why don't you come to church? Because you know what? God can do great things for your life. Jesus is the best answer to your problem. You know what I mean? You can boldly tell people these things and who knows? Who knows? Somebody will come and touch Jesus and be touched by Jesus and their life will be changed. Amen? That's what we want to do. This next couple of weeks and actually this next few years, we want to go beyond what is reasonable. We want to do more than what is expected of us. We want to go to the unreasonable parts of our community. Right, Go and do something that beyond what you would consider reasonable and expected. Go and touch somebody. And I want to tell you what's the best part about this. Because we all want to be at this wedding banquet at the end of the day. You want to be there, right? And in Matthew chapter 22, you find that there's this verse that says, many are called, but few are chosen. Because some people who came to the banquet, they were kicked out, right? But you know who's sure to be in this banquet? You know who's sure to be there at the banquet? It's the servants. The servant confirmed got a place in the banquet, right? And because they are not just servants, Jesus says, I call you my friends. When you go out in the hedges, you'll find that Jesus is already there. Jesus is already at the hedges, moving in the lives of people, but you have a part to do to go there, to, you know, basically advertise Jesus, to tell people how good Jesus is, to tell people how good God is, to tell people how good church is, so that they can climb and you can find and experience God's love here. Would you close your eyes, even as we... Spend a moment to think about mm. who are at the hedges of your life. I want to think about it for a second, right? Because you are going out there. We are sending you out there today. Who are some of these people at the hedges of your life today that you never considered telling them how good God is? Lord, we want to thank you for reminding us that you love all of us so much that we can have this surpassing knowledge of your love. But Lord, we are reminded today that this great love of yours does not end at these four walls that surround us. They go well beyond these walls. They go past our city. They go into the highways, the byways. They go into the hedges. The people who are often forgotten. Lord, today we pray that you use all of us to go to these places and to just be the voice That cries out and prepares a way for the Lord. That people will, they will hear about Jesus and they'll come and they'll touch Jesus and be touched by Jesus. Help us Lord. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Shall we stand up together as we sing this lovely closing song? Do Lord, today, even as we go from this place, Father, we want to pray that our confession is not that we are introvert, or we are shy, or we are scared. But Lord, we pray that you give us the anointing to be your ambassadors and the emissaries of the Most High God. The emissaries of the love of God to the streets and the lanes, but also the highways and the hedges, of our community and our life, Lord. So as go from this place, Lord, let this spirit, this intentionality go with every one of us. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit be with all of us and our families during this season, keeping us safe, protecting us from illness, and keeping us in the center of your will. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. Service is over. Please join us out in the atrium for some refreshments. Anyone has prayer needs, please come forward. We have some pastors here who are willing to pray with you. God bless you.